You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. But I have to say, like, like the UK audacious just feels like a second home to us. We love it so much. You like, you guys carry the same heart that we carry. You have the same DNA that we have. You have the same uh, um, culture that we have. And so whenever we're here, we honestly, right before I came up, Pastor Lee said, Corey, your family. Free reign. Go with it. And, and, and we really do. We feel that. We feel like family here. So it's uh, been a dream come true for us, not to just come over to the UK and to, to get to meet all these people, but just to have family away from home. It's awesome. Um, we're, we're loaning Kylie to you. She's from <laughs> our neck of the woods. Hopefully she's been a blessing to you. Yeah. Uh, I asked her the other day, got it, and said, so what's next? When are you coming back? She said, probably never. <laughs> Um, uh, hey, Pastor, Pastor Lee has become like just such a great friend of ours, and I appreciate you releasing your, um, I would say pulpit, but you guys are really cool and hip here at Audacious, so your preaching table, I appreciate you releasing that to me, and um, uh, Pastors Josh and Abby have just become such yeah. great friends. Seriously, they're, they're like the best of the best. We, I mean, even just on a personal level, we we found each other, FaceTiming each other just a few weeks ago, and and we were like, oh, let's just catch up, you know, chat for, for 10, 15 minutes, and two hours later, we're just, just encouraging each other for the season of life that we're in. And Pastor Ben picked us up today, and like just... The guys' heart, your leadership, you have such great leadership. They're awesome. They're, they're like not people who are content with like what's happened, but have dreams. And, and, and they have such a heart for what it is that God wants to do. And, and you're so, so, so blessed here. Um, International Sunday. I am in my traditional United States of America garb, uh, which, of course, California uh, tradition. I have to come with tattoos and say gnarly and cool and uh we are in so many ways very typical californians uh uh i surf um, I'm, I'm hawaiian uh grew up in the southern sunny california uh where we have this thing called the sun have you guys it's great it's fantastic um i've when I come to the UK, I'm just freezing. For I'm cold right now. <laughs> You're laughing, but I'm serious. I'm cold right now. Um, and and international study is so cool. See so many different uh, uh, nationalities represented, and and I've got to be kind of all over the world, and got to see where God is working all over the place. And so you brought in an American to preach on International yeah. Sunday. Are you ready? Yeah. You're excited? Yeah. Has God been good to you? Yeah. Look at the person sitting next to you. Say, get ready. Yeah. Get ready. Look at the get person ready. on the other side, the one you I chose did second. I did both. <laughs> <laughs> I did both. <laughs> so get ready. <laughs> get ready. Um, I, have to, I do have to like preface uh, uh, this morning's message by telling you, I have been in Manchester preaching at your youth camp for the past four days. And so I am 
like full of faith because you guys have, I don't know if you know this, I'm not sure if you realize, but you guys have the most amazing young people. Yeah. Like you have this generation coming up under you that is hungry for God, hungry for the Holy Spirit, ready to step in. One of the nights, I'll tell you, one of the nights we had, we had uh, uh, different sessions each night, and I was asking, uh, um, I was asking the the youth pastors and Josh and all them as they planned the. the I think it was the third night was the wild one. Yeah, yeah, something called the wild one. I said, tell me about that. What is that? Like, you know, we're just going to like spend two hours, two and a half hours just worshiping and praying and seeking the Holy Spirit. And I was like, in that time, what will we what will we do with the kids? They're like, they'll just pray and they'll worship and they'll seek the Holy Spirit. And we'll do communion. And I was like. Things that would never work for American kids. <laughs> the American kids would be like, what's next? Entertain me. Are you going to feed me? <laughs> and, and for two, one of my, it was one of my favorite nights because I, I didn't touch a microphone. I didn't get on a platform. And what I saw was in moments where the Holy Spirit's moving, your students, your young people, going to each other, praying for each other. And, and I just want to just declare in front of your whole church, Young people, you, you sit in a church that do not see you as the church of tomorrow. You're the church right now. And the ladies are completely open. I love seeing young people on your platform helping to lead worship. And so, uh, church, like, thank you. We are the generations pastors at our church. We are in charge of, basically, if you're young, you fall in our ministry. And, and so thank you for being a church that believes in the next generation. Um, this morning, I do have a word for you. Um, in Joshua chapter 3, we'll kind of hit two different stories in Joshua. Um, but it, you guys, who, who in the room, you have an iPhone. So you're saved. Uh, <laughs> whether you have an iPhone or an Android, and hopefully you get saved at the end of this message. There's this feature on, on your phone. I don't know if you, you know about this feature. The feature is called Do Not Disturb. Oh, glorious. So here's, here's my kind of concern, and, and I see this so much in young people, but just, just uh, people in general, is life has a way of getting us to this place. We're getting bogged down with, with work or school or calling or entertainment or relationships, or then you throw into the middle of all that the storms of life, the things that happen. We, we heard a testimony this morning of a man who's walked through remission and cancer, and, and so much stuff happens in life that I really get fearful that sometimes we sort of go on this autopilot, do not disturb mode. And it's really not, uh, it's not like we've walked completely away from the Lord. It's not like people have backslidden and totally forgotten about God, but it's almost as if we're sort of on this do not disturb mode. And, and, and I've come all the way from sunny Southern California and I'm enduring this freezing cold weather. You guys are like, it's hot. What are you talking about? The other day, some of the kids outside at the conference, they're like, how are you wearing a jacket? And they go, it's boiling. <laughs> oh, and it's boiling. <laughs> I, I've come all the way to tell you, I, my imagination runs wild. My faith starts building when I think of if even just 50% of this room would go to the metaphoric settings on their life and turn off, do not disturb them. And rather they would say something like this, God, here I am. Do disturb. Yeah. God, up 
regularly scheduled program. God, get me off of autopilot. They would say something like the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 as he's overhearing this heavenly conversation. And God says, there's something that needs to happen. There's people that need to hear about us. And Isaiah, not really knowing the details of the job, really not even knowing where he's going to go or when he's going to go or what he'll get paid or if he'll be be safe or if he'll be endangered. Isaiah simply steps up and says, God, here I am. Send me. What could happen, church, if we were to just say, God, do disturb. God, step into my regularly scheduled program and shift things up. Work however it is you see fit. If you've not caught it yet, yes, this will be a faith message. I pray. I have, I've, I've come from California with an agenda. And my agenda is this. If, that is, if, if, if hopelessness has crept into your heart, if autopilot seems to have, have snuck into your life, that by the end of this message this morning, you would just have just an installment, a download of Come on. faith on you, and to be excited that God can use you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Look at the person sitting next to you. Tell them, get ready. I'm going to preach a message to you entitled, Do Disturb. There was a young boy born in Los Angeles, California, born addicted to drugs. His father was already gone, and while pregnant, his mom was on drugs. So when he was born, he was taken from his mother. His older brother was taken in and went with his grandparents, while the younger brother went and stayed with his aunt and uncle. Uh, mom went through rehab, did all the things right, got her boys back, and basically struggled through their early years. Dad completely absent. It's crazy how life has a way of just throwing curveballs at us. It's, uh, I don't know that you would understand that analogy. Do you guys have baseball? Would you understand life throwing a yes. curveball at you? I, I wouldn't know how to do a cricket reference. <laughs> we don't have cricket back home. We also call football soccer. Weird. We call American football f- football. Ironically, we don't really ever kick it with our foot, but once in the whole game. But hey, you know, America, we do what we want, when we want, how we want, I guess. That's <laughs> the American way. Um, it's crazy how life has a way of just throwing us through a bit of a tornado. There's another analogy you might not understand. You know what a tornado is. In America, we have these things called tornadoes. Uh, why anyone would ever live anywhere where tornadoes exist, I don't know. But life really does have this way of getting us to this place where through trials and struggles or whatever it might be, it seems like we get sort of thrown off. And so I want to talk a bit about a moment when this young man named Joshua could have been thrown off. See, there was this hyper, like, like hyper, hyper strong leader named Moses who's leading the Israelites. The Israelites are in slavery for over 400 years. Moses goes, many of you would know the story. If you don't, Moses kind of shows up on the scene to the Egyptians and to the Pharaoh says, let my people go. And then he lets his people go. And it's kind of a longer story than that. But they make their way into the wilderness. What should be less than a 40 day journey is a 40 year journey uh, through all of this stuff. Uh, uh, a whole generation doesn't get to enter the promised land. And, and, and Moses, he actually gets to see the promised land, but doesn't get to enter the promised land. And then Moses, this incredible leader who's been leading God's people for 40 years, he dies. 
And then God turns to Joshua and says, you're up, buddy. (laughs) And now Joshua has to step in as the leader. And this whole thing could have got him really to this place where he's like, well, Moses is dead. Now it's time. And oh, my gosh, what, what do we do? And the first step on the journey is to cross a river called the Jordan. Let's jump into Joshua chapter 3, verse number 9. We're going to read verse 9 to verse 16. Uh, Is this okay? Can we do this? I like doing this with young people. Can we stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? Well, I like standing when we read God's word. uh, You know, as if you have teenagers, you know that uh, you got to, you got to, you got to train up teenagers kind of like a puppy, just through repetition, repetition, repetition. So I like standing when we read God's word. We'll go uh, verse 9 to, let's go to verse 16. Verse 9 to verse 16, it says, So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today, somebody say today. Today. Today, you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Georgia and the Amorites and the, 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 all these Zites, the termites, all of them are going ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one, of each, uh, one from each tribe. The priest will carry the Ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water. Remember that part. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing at its banks. But as soon as their feet, as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above, uh, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry and all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Before you sit down, let's pray a really long and spiritual prayer. God, speak to us. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Um, has anybody ever been to Hawaii? Yeah? My homeland. If you've not, then you gotta go sometime. I want to tell you about the best place, the worst day. Our worst day in the best place. We're on an island called Kauai. It's beautiful. Like, Kauai is everything that you imagine when you think of Hawaii. And one of the days in Hawaii, me and my wife were there on vacation, and, um, and, and we're just, like, having a blast. We're doing all the Hawaiian things. I, like, got off of the airplane. I took my shirt off, and it didn't go back on for 10 days. Like, that was Hawaii. It was beautiful. And one of the days, we decided we should go kayaking. And so we're kayaking through this Hawaiian river. It is, like, nothing short of amazing. And, and while, uh, while kayaking, you know, well, while I'm kayaking and my wife is sitting there, you know, Instagramming and <laughs> recording and everything. Uh, I hear this noise that, that no husband wants to hear while they're kayaking through a river. I hear my wife's phone 
hit the side of the kayak and go, Kodunk. And I turn around and she goes, I just dropped my phone in the river. So I stop, I like put the paddle in the kayak and we turn around and we start trying to find the phone and it is gone. I put the kayak, just to see how deep the water is because they couldn't really tell. I put the kayak to the, 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 the um, paddle to the bottom of of the river to find out it's like six, seven feet deep and the last foot is just mushy mud. So the phone is gone. Like, oh, what do we do? And, and everyone's like, don't worry about it. Let's just finish kayaking. So we continue on. We're kayaking some more. We're already frustrated. It's like we're in, like, we're in paradise. Just like, this is terrible. <laughs> <You know? laughs> on the way back, on the journey back in the kayak, um, there's this spot where like, you know, the, the, the current gets a little bit strong and you got to kind of make sure to keep your kayak with the current because the moment that it turns, your kayak will flip. And so I'm kind of trying to tell Amber how to how to paddle and everything. And we're sort of working against each other at this point and we're not really in sync and we're frustrated and all this. And before we know it, we get to this point where there's some rocks and stuff and we go sideways and then the kayak flips, right? And we're now going down into the, the Hawaiian river. My wife is going into an all out panic, but I quickly realized that the water was like this deep. So as the kayak flipped, I just kind of stood up. But my wife, on the other hand, is like, no, I'm going down with the ship. And she just holds onto the kayak. And somehow in this much water, she's fully submerged. She comes back up. I got it all recorded. It was, we're going to share it for you right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was it was like the, 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 the worst day in the best place. And in both of those situations, there were these moments where we dropped the phone. Maybe we can get it. We don't know how deep the water is. No way are we getting this, this, this phone. The water's too deep. Then there was this other moment where the kayak's flipping. And I realized just by like, as it flips, I just stood up. And I'm fine, but my wife, not knowing how deep it is, like my lifeline's the kayak and just holds on for dear life. And it was kind of like this with Joshua and the Israelites, because the Jordan was in what was called flood season. Everybody say flood season. season. So in flood season, the Jordan would have been a sort of terrifying place because at the bank of the Jordan, the first step into the water could be one foot deep or quite literally 100 feet deep. Do you know what the word Jordan actually means in the original language? The original language, the Jordan River, it was called the Jordan River because the nickname was the Descender, which sounds like a metal band or something. It's called the Descender because it could have been 100 feet deep at the banks. And so if you remember the story, it's like, hey, the first thing we've got to do as we head to the promised land is we've got to cross the Jordan. And so all I can think about is as the Ark of the Covenant is coming through, the way that God says that this should happen is you're going to have some guys carrying the Ark of the Covenant. There'll be two guys up front and two guys in the back. And then he says, as soon as your feet touch the edge of the water, I'll part the water. So all I can think about are the two guys up front of the Ark that have to be the first ones to step in. <laughs> Imagine if you're that guy that day. You know, you're walking up and it's like descender and it's flood season. It's just wild rapids of waters. And like, you're getting ready to go and you're just like, stop, slow down back there. And if it's me, 
This is where I would get into like a prayer argument with God, where I would say, all right, God, part the waters and I'll step in. I got like, that's how you did it in Egypt. You parted the waters and then we stepped in. But how many people know that God doesn't like doing things the same way twice? <laughs> and, and, and I've got you part the waters. I'll step in. And God's like, no, no, I've already said you step in and then I'll part the waters. That's cool. God, I like it. But hey, how about I, how about first you part the waters and then I'll step in. And God's like, no, 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 you step in and then I'll part the waters. And then if I'm the guy in the back, I'd just be like, hey, it's not me. Hurry up, buddy. Like, let's go get a move on. We've got all these people who are ready to cross the Jordan. And these guys up front are like, Ugh. and as soon as their feet touch the water, the water's part. As soon as their feet touch the water, look at your neighbor, tell them, take a step. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second again, tell them, take a step. If you're taking notes, two, two points this morning. Number one, don't say no when God says go. Don't say no when God says go. Take a step. Take a step of faith. This is a faith message. And I'm here to tell you, jump all in. Somebody say, what if? What if God wants to use you? Oh, and I know like whenever I say that, often like you can, as a preacher, I can just feel in the room that there's a lot of people that instantly have the faith for like, yes, God, like I think you do want to use me. Yes, God. And then there's a lot of people in the room who immediately go, yes, like for everybody else. No, but what if God wants to use you? What if God wants to use you? See, I feel like so often when there's like a need in front of us, a need in our family, a need in our friends, a need at our school campus, a need on our team, a need at work, that what we'll do is we'll be praying, God, send somebody. And I feel so often God's like, you're somebody. What if you are the answer to your own prayer? What if you are the answer to somebody else's prayer? What if God is saying, go? When he does, don't say no. Oh, but the waters look raging and it looks impossible and it looks like it shouldn't work and there's no way. What if when we just stepped in, God would do the rest? Here's the thing, a step, a step like every, everybody just stand to your feet for one second. Just take a step to your right. Take a step to your left. All right, sit right back down. <laughs> you put your right foot in, you put your right foot you guys have the hokey pokey here? America is like obsessed with country music and I don't get down with it. I don't like country music. You see how easy that is? It's just a step. Ultimately, even stepping into the Jordan, it's just a step. It was so ordinary. But here's what happens. When you give God your ordinary, he'll do the extraordinary. When you give God your natural, he will do the supernatural. See, we tend to like so overcomplicate being used by God when so often it is as simple as taking a step. The first night that I preached at the gathering, I preached on, on Peter walking on water. Yeah, it was nothing but walking because God was doing the, I don't know, miraculous as he manipulated the molecular structure of the H2O that Peter was walking on, but all Peter was doing, it just felt like walking to him. What if you just took your average, ordinary, everyday life 
and you just put that in front of God and said, God, disturb my average everyday life. You step in. I'm not going to be on autopilot, however you want to use me. What if it's as easy as paying for somebody's coffee at the coffee shop? What if it's as easy as inviting a friend to church? What if it's as easy, young person, as just going to your social media and posting on your story, how can I pray for you? It's one of my favorite things to do because it's amazing the people who will slide up and respond to that message. I've had the most atheist of family members ask me for a prayer when you just, how can I pray for you? What if it's so much more simple than you think? What if God is just saying, you give me your ordinary and I will do the extraordinary? So what's holding you back? So what's keeping you from taking this step? If you're like me, if, if, if you're like my wife, Amber, it's, it might be because you grew up in the wrong family, in the wrong neighborhood, in the wrong way. My, my parents weren't pastors. We didn't grow up in church. And so like you can think to yourself, my, my history, it, it doesn't line up to be used by God. I come from a lineage of divorce. I come from a lineage of abuse. There's not a chance in the world Amber and I should be on the other side of the world preaching the gospel. It makes no sense at all. For some of you, you, you don't think God can use you because being used by God doesn't run in your family but divorce does run in your family. Well, guess what? It ran, into, it ran in the family until it ran into me. I shared with the students over the week, there's some of you, you ha you'll have to have this mentality that, that divorce ran in the family until it ran into me. Abuse ran in the family until it ran into me. Alcoholism ran in the family till it ran into me. Alcoholism and drug abuse, it ran in the family till it ran into me. Faithlessness ran in the family till it ran into me. And through God, you simply using me and strengthening me, the thing that will now run in the family is being used by God in incredible ways that will glorify him and it will blow people's minds. I really do believe by the end of today, there's ways that God wants to begin to use you that will actually blow your mind. He'll think, how in the world? I can't tell you how often that's what goes through my, how in the world, God, have you used me? Here's the thing about God, because some of you, what's holding you back is when you look in the mirror, you think, there's nothing special about me. But God doesn't ask you about your ability or inability. He just asks you about your availability. The first guys to cross the Jordan, what was their resume? Can you take a step? <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> like, can you, can, you, can you walk? Cool. You got the job. And they paved the way for quite literally millions to step into what it is that God had promised to them. God doesn't ask you about your ability or inability. He just asks about your availability. So are you available? Or is your life sort of on that do not disturb mode? You just have to say yes when God calls you. But here's one of the things I always love bringing up and talking about when it comes to this. Don't overcomplicate it. Ladies, don't overcomplicate it. <laughs> I've been married nearly 14 years. I have more questions about women than I did 14 years ago. We, we tend to overcomplicate being used by God. I remember um, we had this student uh, when we were youth pastors in Lake Elsinore, and his name was Rudy. 
And Rudy came from a really, really rough upbringing. And his mom and dad were um, just constantly at odds. And, and alcoholism was a part of his family's kind of dynasty. And now I remember Rudy was in our youth ministry for years and years. And, and we took Rudy on this leadership retreat one time in Arizona. And, and we did this thing, um, this hike up this mountain that they call Prayer Mountain. And we get to the top and, and you guys just see all of Phoenix and it's beautiful. It was nighttime, the city lights are out, everything, and, and we're praying, and we're worshiping, and we just kind of have this moment, and um, God, uh, God just like is moving in this moment, and Rudy, a kid who nearly never cried, begins to cry and says, Pastor Corey, I don't know that you know this, but you're the first person to ever say that they're proud of me. And I don't know that you know this, but early on, as I came to the youth ministry, I was suicidal. And if God hadn't used you in my life, I'd not be here. How easy is this? Rudy, I'm proud of you. That's so simple. Can I tell you, extraordinary moments will often feel very ordinary in the moment. Extraordinary moments, they'll often feel very ordinary in the moment. We won't have the keyboard and fog and dimmed lights when we're out at a coffee shop or, or at a family lunch or at work. Sometimes the biggest, most amazing, phenomenal moments of God will feel so stale in the moment. But God loves to use ordinary moments and make them extraordinary. You can, you can change someone's life just by being in it. So when God says go, don't say no. All right, as the band heads up and begins helping me shut this down, let's talk about the second, the second moment. So they've, they've crossed the Jordan. It happens. The, the priest stepped in. The water parted. They crossed it. And the next stop is the city called Jericho. Jericho was known for its massively tall, fortified walls that nobody could get past. But on the other side of those walls was the promise of God. The promises of God, like, the, the, we're fighting from victory, not for it, but there's still a fight involved. You still have got to fight for the promises of God. So, so now they have to get to the other side of these walls. And, and, and like, so much of Moses' campaign was like, all right, guys, get out the swords. Let's go to battle. Like, this was Moses' campaign. It was crazy. It was wild. It was gnarly. Young people, if like some of the Old Testament was made into a movie, it would be rated R and your parents probably wouldn't let you watch it. And you think the Bible's boring. Weird. <laughs> so, so the first step of Joshua's leadership, Joshua's, God comes and tells Joshua, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go on a one week walk. It's like completely different, totally unorthodox. He's like, okay, so we'll walk for a week, then what? Oh, at the end of the week, you're gonna walk seven times around this city. Okay, then what? Then we pull out the swords and, the, and then we're gonna fight and it's gonna be a crazy battle, right? He goes, no, you're just gonna yell really loud. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, also um, the people on the front line, I want, you to put, I want you to put the worship band on the front line. If there's anybody you don't want on the front line of a battle of war, it's like the artistic ones, you know? It's like the <laughs> up there in their skinny jeans, all creative, like 
time out. Will there be hairspray up there? Because if we said, so put the worship leaders up front and then you'll scream, you'll shout victory and God will bring it. And I can see Joshua like, God, that makes no sense. Now I can see Joshua in like the meeting with his generals, these guys who many of which were also serving under Moses now being like, this kid is our new leader. But look what happens in Joshua chapter six, verse, verse number 15. They've now walked for a week. It's the seventh day and verse number 15 of Joshua six. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they'd done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded a long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout for the Lord has given you the town. And I was reading this and I thought to myself, so what had changed in that moment? They've marched for a week. They've marched around the town one time every day for six days. It's the seventh day. Now they've marched around seven times on the seventh day. They get around the seventh time. Joshua says, priests, blow the horns. They blow the horns. And then Joshua turns to the people and he says, hey, shout for the Lord's giving you the city. But nothing had changed. There is no indication anywhere in Joshua chapter six, that every single day that they took a lap, another like stone from the wall of Jericho crumbled. There's nothing to indicate that like the wall was slowly disintegrating with every lap. There's nothing to indicate that when the, the, the trumpets blast, that the circumstance changed that the situation looked different. Everything looked exactly the same as it did on day one, as it, that, that, that it did this final lap, the seventh time around on the seventh day. And yet with all of this faith, Joshua looks at what we believe to be probably millions of people. And he says, yeah, everything looks the same. It seems like nothing has changed in the natural, but God's working behind the scenes. So let's just do what God told us to do and let's shout and God will give us our victory and give us the city. So here's what I'm here to tell you. You've heard it said, I'll believe it when I see it. I grew up typical California kid, so I skateboarded my whole life. And your friend would be say, oh, I jumped up 12 stair on my skateboard. And you'd say, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm here to tell you, not I'll believe it when I see it. You will see it when you believe it. You will see it when you believe it. I really feel there's things going on in some of your life. You need to be reminded, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of things that we do not see. I had a young girl at conference come up to me after one of my sessions and ask, okay, Corey, like I have faith, but it's like, I also have doubt. Can God still move? And I, I reminded her of Mark chapter nine. Verse 23, where this guy, he needs a miracle. He says, Jesus, my, my kid, this is my child. And they need a miracle, if you can. And here's what Jesus says. He says, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asks, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. So as I'm speaking of faith and there's somebody in the room that's like, yeah, I get it, Corey, but you don't know what the last two decades of my life has looked like. 
I am believing for the salvation of my kids, but I'm also living with these kids. I do wanna see God bring breakthrough in my marriage, but you don't understand how divisive my house is right now. So yeah, I have some belief, but, but I also have some doubt. So here's what I love about this guy. He says, Jesus, I've got both. Can you help me with my unbelief so I can stand on my belief? Can you help me with my doubt so I can live with my faith? And then Jesus, what he does is he goes, ooh, I like this kind of faith. You're not over here playing church, pretending like, oh no, it's only faith over here. I ain't got no doubt. It's all faith, 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 and more faith. I have zero doubts at all. Yeah, whatever. He's like, you're authentic, you're real, I love that miracle. And then what do you think happens to this guy's unbelief and his belief, his faith and his doubt? What happens is this. And he brings a miracle. And then you pray for another miracle. And this is why there's some people who've been serving Jesus for 40 years, who when you see them begin to pray, they have faith that's like unshakable. It's not that they don't have any doubt, it's just they've seen God come through again and again and again and again and again. So I'm just here to declare that some of you have been praying for something for 20 years, and I'm just here to tell you, don't lose hope, don't give up, take a step, you will see it when you believe it. Matthew 21, 22 says, whatever we ask in prayer if we have faith we will receive it so have like I'm here to just download a bit of faith in your heart I've come 10 12 hours from the other side of the world to download some faith if God did it for Joshua and the Israelites he'll do it for you and me but if we want God to do the miraculous we have to be willing to do the ridiculous Joshua, the Israelites, they saw the miraculous. To give you the end of the story, the walls of Jericho come crumbling down and they walk into victory. But before they could see the miraculous, they had to be willing to do the ridiculous. God might be asking you to do, we had, we had, uh, I had 650 teenagers write on a piece of paper the one thing that could keep them from living kingdom over everything. The one thing that's holding them back. The rich young ruler, Jesus said one thing. You have one thing, sell all of your riches, give it all away to the poor, then come follow me. And he went away sad and we don't even know the guy's name. And so I was fearful. God, what if these young people, what if 650 young people gather in Manchester and they're so close, but because of one thing, they miss everything. So we had him write something down and I had him put it on a piece of paper and then I had him tear it up. And then we had him bring it front to the altar and put it on the altar. And there was this young man who came to me. He's like, it was so weird, Corey. It was like, as I was ripping the paper, it was like I could feel weight and heaviness coming off of me. And then every step towards the altar, it's like I got a little bit lighter. He said, and then the, the kid, he couldn't get all the way to the front because it was crowded. He's like, but I had this thing. It was like, it was like a weight in my hand. He's like, I have to get rid of it. And I literally saw him do it. He was from like 10 feet back. He was like, <sighs> and he threw his papers over all of these other kids and onto the altar. He was like, what was that, Corey? Like, why was it that I was feeling something? I was like, because you were doing something naturally 
and God was working supernaturally. A lot of times God calls us to do something like physically. Oh, you, okay, you want healing? Go dip in the Jordan seven times. Why can't you just heal me right now? Uh, because when you begin to move, oh, walk around the city seven times. Why? We wanna see the miraculous. Sometimes we gotta be willing to do the ridiculous. Here's what I believe. I believe there are some prayers that God wants to answer this morning. For some of you, you've been praying for something for 20 years. God wants to answer some prayers right now. I believe that God's getting ready to take, take your church into new seasons and, and God's getting ready to do some amazing things. We haven't sent Kylie all the way from the United States for nothing. <laughs> I believe like your youth ministry, God's getting ready to do some new things. And God's, there's like a spirit of, I want to answer prayers in the room right now. So we're gonna pray two prayers. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? The first is this. I committed to the Lord that I would never hold a microphone and stand in front of people and not give a, not give a, a opportunity to give your life to Jesus. I was 16 years old. I went to a Christian club at my high school and I gave my life to Jesus and everything changed for me. Everything changed for me. And maybe you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus or maybe you've walked away. This is your moment, this is your time. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray a prayer together. Here at Audacious, we're a family. So everybody's gonna pray this. The scripture simply says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead, then you'll be saved. So can we just pray this simple prayer out loud together? Everybody repeat this right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So today, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this moment forward, I'm gonna follow you. From this moment forward, I am your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Before we pray the second prayer, um, there was a young boy who was born addicted to drugs, five minutes from Compton. His dad was gone, he's taken. His mom ended up getting him back, him and his brother after she had done rehab. And she raised them both as a single mother for a really long time. This young man, his, his dad ended up coming back into his life around seven years old. And the, the mom would take the young man to go see his dad every other weekend for visitations. But the kid never knew why, but he wasn't allowed to go into the house where his dad lived. They had to go to the park around the corner. And so they'd go every other weekend and, and the kid was starting to develop a relationship with his dad. And it was just right around the time that the young man started calling him dad again, instead of just using his first name. So mom and the kid show up one weekend and they knock on the door and an unfamiliar face answers the door. And the dad was gone. The mom begins to panic and ask, where did he go? Did he leave a, a, a number? Did he leave a, an address? Did he leave anything? And the lady says, I'm sorry, he didn't leave anything. And the young man never saw his dad again. About year eight, 13 years old, the family gets a, a letter in the mail from social services that says, we found your father. He's in prison up north. 
And so the young man goes to his mom and, and asks, so what was the deal? Why did my dad leave in the first place? The mom says, you were too young to probably realize and too young for this conversation. But your dad was still on drugs and every time I'd bring, him o- bring, bring you over, he'd be, he'd be high. And so I had to give your dad an ultimatum. So I told him it's either drugs or Corey because I'm not gonna keep bringing your son to see you if you're gonna be high. I never in a million years thought that I could be used by God. All my friends going into ministry, their dads were pastors. My dad was in prison. He was on drugs and he abandoned me because my mom said drugs are Corey and apparently he chose drugs. I'm on the other side of the world preaching the gospel. I've been married for 14 years. God's used us. He's come through. We run a youth ministry of 300 crazy students. We got to preach at this conference. God wants to use you. So all over this place, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? I'm gonna pray a prayer of faith over you. Two things, one, that you would, you would leave today with faith that beyond the shadow of a doubt, God wants to use you. The one who just thought, not me, you. No, not me, yes, you. God wants to use you. And then the second is that you'd have faith for whatever that thing is, that thing. You know, the thing you've been praying for for years. He still sees you, he's not giving up on you. If you guys are comfortable, would you just lift your hands all over this place? God, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray for hearts that would be just expectant to be used by you. God, that when you say go, we won't say no. That we'd step into whatever it is that you have for us. God, I pray in Jesus' name for testimonies in the next few weeks of the ways that you'll use audacious Chester. God, the things that you'll use them to do, the places they'll go, the things that they'll do. God, I pray that there would be even conversations that would happen, that on the other side of the conversation, people would go, what was that? And where did that come from? And God, that through your whole Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would just strengthen us for the work of your ministry to build your kingdom. God, I pray send young people to their friends and into their schools, God. I pray that you would send people into their workplaces, into coffee shops and into gyms and uh, onto teams and into families, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would use us. We just say, like the prophet Isaiah, here we are, God, send us. We want to be used by you. God, some of us, we don't feel like we have much to offer. We don't feel like we're talented talented enough. We don't feel like we're good enough. We don't feel like we have the ability, but God, we just say, here we are. If you can use me, God, some of us, we feel like the little boy at the feeding of the 5,000. I just have this tiny little bit of lunch. I don't know if you can use it. And God, you took what was small, what seemed insignificant, and you used it miraculously. God, we give you what seems small and insignificant. We give you our lives, God. We give you our schedules. We give you our abilities, God. And we just say, use it however you see fit, God. We put it in your hands, Lord. And we say, here we are, send us. Now, God, I pray for those who have been praying for something for years. God, I pray for those who need healing. Would you bring healing? 
God, I pray in Jesus' name that there would be doctor's reports soon for healing that would happen. God, I pray for marriages that have been struggling. God, would you bring unity, Lord? Would you bring it back to their first love? Would you intervene, God? I pray for, for prodigal sons and daughters who are on the run, Lord. Those who have walked away from you, even right now, God, as the prodigal son has said, he came to his senses. God, I pray even right now, wherever they're at, God, that you would begin to bring them back to their senses. You would orient their lives back home, Lord, that you would bring them back into your arms, back into a relationship with you, back into salvation, to be set aside for you, God. I pray, God, for those who, who are maybe having issues with their home, God, or with their finances. And God, I pray that you would bring breakthrough for them, Lord, that you would bring provision for them, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would just work in ways that would absolutely blow our minds, God. I pray in Jesus' name for a faith to be rising in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, all over this place. Can we just Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 